What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye. And today's episode is something that is very, very special to me. If you don't know by now, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so we've taken this week's episode to talk a little bit about a foundation that I've held near and dear to my heart. But more importantly, we're here to listen to the story of a very special young lady. Did you know that every 46 minutes, a child is told that they have cancer? Now, obviously, that is a glaring statistic. But what this individual did when she was told that exact same thing is something that will truly inspire you for the rest of your life. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So on today's episode, we are sitting down with Eric Reese, who is the head of the Jesse Reese Foundation, or better known as Jesse's dad. And Jesse was a young girl from Southern Orange County who was diagnosed with DIPG, which is a very rare and extreme form of childhood cancer. So she was put on a clinical trial in which she could go home during her chemotherapy treatments. But rather than making her fight about herself, she wanted to make her fight about the other kids battling cancer that didn't get to go home during treatment. So she came up with the idea of joy jars. Now, joy jars, as you'll hear in the story, are jars filled to the brim with things that kids absolutely love, and they are delivered to children's hospitals across the country and across the globe to help encourage kids to never, ever give up, or as Jesse would say, Nigu. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear Jesse's story and hear how this young lady has really inspired thousands upon thousands of people to get involved and to encourage kids battling cancer to never, ever give up. And be sure to stick around after the interview to listen to how you can get involved with the foundation and how you can help spread joy to kids battling cancer, especially during this month of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. But without further ado, here is Eric Reese. I want to welcome on a very special guest, um, a dear friend of mine, a person that I've looked up to for quite some time. He is Eric Reese, the head of the Jesse Reese Foundation, better known as Jesse's dad. Eric, <laughs> much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. It's an honor to be with you guys. Awesome. How are you? How are things going? How have things been um, in southern, sunny SoCal? Yeah, it, it is sunny today. Um, you know, things are going well. I mean, in the big picture, we're still able to spread joy and keep the joy flowing to kids fighting cancer. And so, um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to honor Jesse's wish and, uh, you know, staying healthy and trying to uh, just uh, make, make the most out of what we have and the, the new, the new uh, kind of boundaries we have to operate within. But yeah. uh, things are going well. Yeah, the new normal, as they're calling it, because yeah. it'll be interesting to see um, if we ever get back to back to normal, I guess. But, um, yeah. you know, I wanted to do things a little differently on today's show because I want the listeners to know and I want the world to know who Jesse is. So I really wanted to give you the floor to kind of introduce Jesse and who she is and, and what she's done. And, and we'll definitely get into kind of everything. But I want to let you introduce your daughter, Jesse. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be able to talk about my daughter. So um, on March 3rd, 2011, um, my wife Stacy and I were told that our 11-year-old daughter Jessie um, had cancer and had a brain tumor, um, but they also went on to let us know that it was an inoperable and incurable brain tumor 
and that we would end up, um, we would have about 12 to 18 months with her and we needed to um, prepare for that. And obviously the worst news any parent could ever hear is that your child not only has cancer, but it's terminal and there's a clock ticking. So obviously um, I did everything I could to try to prove the doctors wrong and sought yeah. 46 second opinions and uh, got um, doctors from all around the world to look at Jesse's test results or MRIs and all that kind of stuff. And every one of them came back with the same unfortunate news. And so, you know, we just needed to try to do everything we could to help her have the best days that she could have. Um, and so we put her on a clinical trial and that clinical trial consisted of uh, initially um, rounds of radiation for 30 days and then um, daily chemotherapy. And so the radiation um, was done at Children's Hospital of Orange County called Chalk. And so Stacy and I would get Jesse in the car every day and we'd drive up the Chalk and she would go through radiation. And radiation was hard because she was, I never had known much about radiation, but you know, seeing, seeing my daughter's head pinned to a table where she cannot escape right. um, and the mask is very, very claustrophobic, it was, quite upsetting to, to me, but it's the same time, it's what she had to do. And she was a trooper um, and is actually about three weeks after starting her radiation, yeah. we were actually leaving the parking garage at Chalk and she was in the back seat next to my, and my wife, Stacy was next to me. And Stacy, I mean, Jesse just said from the back seat of the car, you know, mom and dad, when do all the other kids get to come home? And we had to explain to her, some kids have different, um, types of cancer. Some have leukemia, some have different types of brain tumors. Um, there's several different types of cancer and those kids have to stay uh, a lot longer. And I remember pointing to the third floor at that time, the oncology floor at Chalk was on the third floor and saying, you know, that's where they're at and on that, on that third floor. And literally the next words out of her mouth have changed the tapestry of my life. Um, because she simply just asked one question with five words, how can we help them? And believe me, Jared, I didn't, don't take this wrong. I didn't care about those kids. I cared about I, trying to save my daughter. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about how can we help them? I'm like, how right. can I help you? Um, yeah. and so I, I was, you know, I was going to, I was going to mention, um, in your book, you know, especially um, early on in the chapter, um, your book, never, ever give up. It's about Jesse and her life and her story. And if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. Um, but, you know, as a man of faith, you know, you were a pastor at Saddleback Church um, and you talked about in the book, like the internal battles you had with your faith and with God and like, why Jesse, why my family? Well, like, how has your, how, how much of you, of you, of the role of faith has it played on in, in your life and especially during those times? Oh, well, it's, it's huge. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have faith because uh, I have uh, spent a lot of time with other dads that um, unfortunately got the same news that Stacy and I got about their child. And there's, there's a clear division of those that have faith and those that choose not to, um, which is totally everybody's choice. Right. Um, but the amount of the amount of anger and the amount of resentment is much higher, and especially the length of it. Believe me, I was angry at God. I had my plenty of shouting matches, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I had to trust. 
Um, and that's all I could do. And I even had to take back, take a deeper step back and go, actually, God is Jesse's father. I just was given the honor of being her earthly father for the time that he allowed me to be her earthly father, which was about 12 years. And so, you know, I, I even though my heart cried out, my soul we wept, I, I wanted my daughter here, obviously, for very selfish purposes. <laughs> Um, because I didn't want to see her lose her, lose her life. It, um, it definitely, it, it shattered my faith and strengthened my faith at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, initially, yeah, it was difficult. Um, cause I, even though I passed her, blah, 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 I didn't understand and I didn't want to accept it because I don't think anybody wants to accept bad news. You know, right. um, that's why I, that's why I, I tell people I was, uh, I was on a, different conversation with somebody last week and I was telling them that, you know, I've, I've learned in my life that, you know, there's three things that forever change your life, your faith, love, and grief. And they will forever change you good and bad. I mean, love is awesome. And then the, the day that I fell in love with my wife and got married, that changes my life in a positive way that that right. seeing my three kids born love but grief also changes your life and it's not something that you can just put a band-aid on and it just goes away it stays with you just like love stays with you and faith stays with you but yeah i mean faith has definitely been something that i've held on to um it's been a roller coaster there's definitely been uh harder days than than there's some are easier days but I know for 100% in my mind that I will see my daughter again. She is in heaven, and um, I know that I will go see her again. And so I hold on to the hope of heaven every day, and um, it gives me um, a little more peace than I would have if I just felt like this was meaningless and it just is. There's no purpose to life, and I believe there's obviously a bigger purpose. Yeah, certainly. Um, so let's get back to that day after, you know, two weeks into treatment, you're in the car driving back yeah. from chalk. She says, yeah. how can we help them? Take yeah, me through so, those next steps. You pull into the driveway. What's going on? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, cause I even like, you know, driving home, I was like looking at Stacy and she's like fanning her eyes cause she was trying to not let Jesse see that she was crying, but it's just like, mm -hmm. how can you be thinking about what the other kids are going through? We're trying to save your life. Yeah. And so when we got home, um, we put Jesse on the couch because radiation made her very tired, um, which is a symptom of or a side effect of, of radiation. And initially, Jess didn't know she was terminal. And so when it came to she knew she had a, a tumor, that it was serious and we were going to do everything to fight it. Right. Um, and so when she, we got her on the couch. Stacy and I went into our den and just shut the door to kind of talk a little bit about, okay, this is what the doctor's saying. We got to start looking for these things to happen. Um, because unfortunately the type of cancer she had, it's called DIPG. It's, it's unfortunately yeah. pretty brutal on how it impacts the body. But anyway, um, so I, we came out of the den and Jess had moved from the couch to our kitchen Island and she had already gotten out some of the brown paper lunch bags and she was putting stickers on them. She was coloring them, like writing brave, strong, um, different messages. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I really want to do something for the kids that can't leave the hospital. And 
I was going to put my Beanie Babies in these bags. And I was like, well, this is great, but let's talk to the nurses tomorrow. Because um, I remember it was a Thursday. Um, and so we went back, we went Friday and I pulled the nurses to get, I mean, pulled a couple of the nurses and said, hey, Jesse wants to do this kind of thing. Is, is this okay? So forth and so on. And they were like, oh, that's so nice of her. But we have to, you know, there's certain regulations we have to have. You, you can't have used toys. So that obviously yeah. means no used Beanie Babies and all that kind of stuff. Right. But they did um, end up letting us know that, you know, she could bring something up to the kids. It just had to be new, no lotion, no food, nothing sharp, nothing that could be choked on. And they didn't like the paper bag because um, of the compromised immune systems kids have. Right. And so that weekend, we sat around as a family and just started talking and thinking about it. And, you know, this whole idea of a jar that we could get. And so then Jesse's middle name was, it was, or at that time it was, um, still is, but Joy. And so we just basically took Joy and jars and it created Joy Jars. And, you know, for Jesse moved to heaven on January 5th, 2012. So we got 10 months and two days with her. But during those 10 months and two days, she stuffed over 3,000 joy jars um, in the joy factory back then, which was our garage. Um, yeah, I was going to say her, your garage turned into quite the toy factory at that time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and she, she had certain rules. Um, you know, they had to be stuffed. Note one was like no junk, no, no, um, no cheesy no, toys, no cheesy toys, no silly toys, um, no air. So that means like she, she loved when... Because I, I would be the one that labeled the jar. She would be yeah. the, the person that stuffed it. And then I would help put the, the lid on. And she loved the idea that the next person that was going to open it obviously was a child fighting cancer. The lid would kind of pop off. So we did that um, mostly on Mondays because as a pastor, my day off was Monday. And so we spent a right. lot of time in the, in the garage on Mondays. And, um, you know, and then we she decided that um, because she couldn't go back to school, she wanted to start blogging about what she was doing because she liked to write and stuff. And I said, well, why don't we, you know, create something on Facebook so people can know what you're doing? Because we were part of a big church. She was part of a big school and she was part of a big swim team. Yeah. Um, and so that whole community was asking, how are you doing? And so it was easy to have her post how she was doing versus having to answer one offs. So, you know, she, she started doing that, um, and then it just continued to build. Um, and, uh, you know, we, 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 were, we, were, we were grateful um, that people had, had chosen to, you know, in support her because, you know, at that time it cost us about $25 to stuff and ship a jar to a child fighting cancer. And then um, one of her friends had posted on, replied back to one of her posts, and she wrote to Jesse, never, ever give up. And she was a swimmer um, mm. at, from the Natadors where Jesse swam. And so Jesse had taken N-E-G-U, the, the, the N from never and, you know, G-U. And she yeah. said, Dad, what about Nigu? And I was like, what's that? And she's like, well, it's N-E-G-U. And she was bugging me because I had just got done um, updating a book that I had written called Shape, which... Yeah. It was S-H-A-P-E, which stood for certain things. So she kind of like, hey, you know, you have a book, you know, what about <laughs> to you? 
This is and mine, so, right? <laughs> so it, it became Nigu. Um, she used to always point at her knee and say that because some people say Negu or whatever, and she's like, yeah. "No, it's Nigu." So, um, you know, that was her little motto. Um, she loved to encourage kids fighting cancer to never ever give up, and so that's uh, that's how it all started. Yeah, and when you when you started the foundation, I think one of the biggest things that I take away from Jesse, you know, I never met Jesse. I obviously worked closely with you guys through my time at, at high school, um, going to high school with Shea. But um, one of the best things that I, I, I learned from Jesse and you guys is you guys weren't necessarily worried about cure. I mean, obviously, that's what everyone wants to battle and that's what everyone wants to to fight for when it, in terms of cancer. But um, we got, you know, I think Kellen Rowe, our buddy, you know, out here in New England did a really good job that you are trying to cure bad days. And I think that's really what sets, um, the difference between every other, I don't want to say every other, cause they're all important, but all the other foundations battling for a cure for cancer, Jesse was looking to cure bad days. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember even after, you know, more and more people were wanting to, um, order joy jars. And so we decided to create a foundation. And I had asked her, do you want your foundation to be about care or be about cure? And she said, care, daddy. And so, yeah, we focus 100% on the kids that need care today. Um, I constantly tell people, I can't wait for the cure people to put me out of business. That would be an amazing day. But until that time, you know, as you and I were talking prior to, prior to this um, podcast starting, you know, every day in the United States, 46 new children are diagnosed with cancer. Worldwide, over 300,000 children are diagnosed with cancer every year. So those kids, and Jesse's wish was to encourage every kid fighting cancer, not every kid at chalk. She said every kid. Right. So to us, we have to figure out how do we reach eventually 300,000 kids a year, encourage them to never ever give up, help create a smile with a joy jar, and like you said, to help cure a bad day while they're waiting for somebody to cure their cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So t talk about that first time you took the jars to chalk. What was that experience like for you, and what was it like for Jesse? So um, we, so because Jesse was outpatient, so you know we'd take her, she'd see her doctors, and come home. She wasn't. Right. She, never, she never was inpatient. So the first place that she took her jars and i think she probably brought a bag of probably 12 up that day or maybe it was two bag grocery bags um and then she brought a 500 dollars check that she wanted to give to the hospital but um uh it was fun because she we in the in the outpatient waiting room you're sitting in there with other families and stuff so um she handed some out to kids that were around her um, and then the rest we left with the, the nurses. Um, and, you know, we've heard now, I mean, you know, we've sent out over 300,000 joy jars out to kids yeah. fighting cancer in all 50 states and over 40 countries. And we get so many stories back about how nurses used joy jars as kind of like a, hey, if you let me take your blood, <laughs> you'll get a toy, but it's not just right. one toy, it's 20 toys in a jar. Um, and so uh, it's, a, it's a pretty special thing to see, like especially on, on our, all of our social media, to see kids smiling and to see them holding a joy jar and stuff makes me a very proud father. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so you had mentioned uh, earlier that Jesse earned her wings in January of 2012. And I'll never forget where I was when I heard the news. I was in the halls at, at Santa Margarita. Um, and I'll never forget her celebration of life at Saddleback. I somehow got there early enough to sit close to the front. But, I mean, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that were lo- running to get in. And they had to put – I mean, if you don't know, Saddleback is, I think, the fifth largest church in the country. Uh, right. It's bigger than some college campuses. Uh, what – like, were you surprised at the outpour of not only just the, the um, you know, from our community in southern Orange County, but also, you know, worldwide and, and nationally? I think, you know, I think I was, I was shocked. I don't know. What was your initial reaction? Yeah, I mean, we had no idea, um, you know, how many people would show up. We just thought, you know, there could be some people. And so the, you know, the, the worship center at Saddleback seats 3,200 people, but there was overflow venues that day. So there was over 500 people on campus. And then there was another 7,000 that watched online. Yeah. You know, and so we, I was totally blown away by the outpouring of love. You know, because it's just like, wow, a little 12-year-old girl that never wanted it to be about herself right. created this wave and, you know, this little movement of trying to help kids. I mean, because prior to March 3rd, 2011, I had zero knowledge about childhood cancer. You know, I just didn't. Yeah. Um, right. And so... I think about how many people at least are aware of childhood cancer now because of what Jesse said in the back of our car, you know, mm-hmm. um, 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's crazy because awareness is, is so important, especially on the cure side. You know, the more time, more, more awareness can get around this disease, hopefully more funds will flow and, you know, um, and, you know, cancer will, can, can get cured. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about um, a dear friend of yours, Caitlin Sandino, um, and her her involvement in the foundation. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, she's a two-time Olympian, uh, has a gold medal, silver medal, um, and she met Jesse for one day before she got involved with the Jesse Reese Foundation. Take me through um, that interaction and then also how much Caitlin has, has um, helped moving forward, too. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough about Caitlin Sandino. Um, so uh, we, um, some some families that were part of the Natador swim community decided to put on a swim-a-thon to help raise money for Jess, um, help her medical bills, for joy jars, whatever. And it was held at J. Sarah um, High School. Yeah. And um, uh, Coach McLaughlin um, put it on there and so she had some connections into the olympic world and so she invited some olympic swimmers to come down and participate sign autographs um meet jesse and so obviously caitlin showed up i'd never mm-hmm. heard about her didn't know who she was but she showed up um you can just tell when you look her in her eyes that she's just a caring person absolutely um, from the very first moment i ever looked in her eyes to the for every moment since she's just a caring genuine person even though she's very very accomplished in the water um she has such um an amazing humble caring loving spirit and so she really 
spent time with Jess, um, and it was cool uh, that she came and we thanked her for coming. She took some pictures with Jesse and then she left. Um, and then we connected uh, a little bit later, um, a couple months later, because I didn't know it at the time, but that interaction with Jess really did impact her. And she kept thinking, how can I help? How can I help? And so um, she decided that, you know, what can I do? And so we started talking about ways that she could help. Um, and then she was still finishing up some other things that was going on in her life. And so um, then she did this really cool photo shoot where she had painted Never Ever Give Up all over. Such a cool photo. Yeah. yeah. You know, so she was trying to just try to help raise awareness and help Jess and do whatever. Um, she only met Jesse once, but she was just trying to let people know about um, kids fighting cancer and stuff. And and then, unfortunately, Jesse lost her fight. Um, Caitlin came to, you know, the celebration of life service that you were at. And then it was, um, again, shortly after that, I got another call. It's like, hey, I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to really get more involved. And I said, absolutely. So we met and she just said, you know, I... I don't have a, a cause that I champion, and I just feel like not only Jesse's spirit, never ever give up, the motto, the whole idea of joy jars, I'd like to get involved as if you would have me. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> right. You know? And she was, I guess in some ways you could say she was our first all-star. Yeah. Um, you know, um, way before we even had like coined the term all-star. Um, and then she became our national spokesperson. She's been our national spokesperson for over eight years. Um, she travels prior to COVID. She traveled, you know, all around the world, um, you know, spreading joy to kids fighting cancer, visiting kids in the hospital. She is, she is so great. Um, you know, even though she doesn't have kids right now, she just, she's, you can just see this motherly heart that sits on, you know, and what I love about her is when she delivers a jar to a child in a hospital room, she doesn't leave until it's the time to leave. Right. It's not like, oh, here's a gift. I got to go. Right. You know, she spends the time and that says so much for her. But yeah, I mean, I can clearly say because, you know, we're getting we're getting ready to celebrate our 10 year anniversary and we've started to identify 10 people or 10 turning points. And I would definitely say that Caitlin is one of the 10 turning points um, that have made us who we are today because she not only chose to help us, she started to navigate and promote us into USA Swimming. That opened up getting other sports people involved and stuff. And so um, very, very grateful to Caitlin Sandino. Yeah, I, I do recall, I did a, a Joy Jar visit my freshman year of college with Kellen and Caitlin in Boston. And I think you're so right. Like, she, it's not the type of, you know, appearance that you go in, take a few photos and you're out. She, I mean, when she walks into a room, the whole, the whole room lights up. Her smile is right. infectious. It's, it's, it's infectious. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I think the best, the best story was when we, when you guys started to do the Nigu medals, because when Caitlin would go, she would bring her medals and let them try it on. And then the kids would be like, so I get to keep this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I, I adore Caitlin. She's an absolute gem of a person. Um, but kind of going off that, you know, you, you brought up the Nigu All-Stars. And I think you, you said it, like, Caitlin was really the domino effect to yep. really getting these athletes and these these stars. I mean, we're talking 
Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Weber, Sam Darnold, Deshaun Watson. The list goes on, and we don't have all day to, to list. But like, uh, you know, what? Do, how does? How did you think the sports people got involved? It's like, why do you think kids really resonate with the sports figures um, when they come in and, and deliver those Joe jars? Well, I think the, I think one kids fighting cancer that are stuck in the hospital room love it when anybody shows up yeah i mean yes do we love that patrick mahones and joe burrows and all these big time football players are on our team absolutely but a child i've seen the third string quarterback show up but is this big giant football player with a jersey on the kid just feels special yeah you know, and so our whole strategy from the start with All Stars was actually to go go after the ninety percent that never get asked to do anything, mm-hmm. because we knew that a kid was just stoked that somebody came to visit them. And by the way, they've got a jar full of toys for you, you know. But through Caitlin, so Caitlin in, introduced us to you know the the swimming community. Um, and then, uh, you know, our good friend, you, you, you know, obviously Corey Tomlinson. And so he got us involved in, you know, UCLA and the gymnastics community. And because right. UCLA and the gymnastics community is, you know, filled with Olympians, then they told other Olympic, you know, gymnasts. So we had swimmers and then gymnasts. And then um, one of our board members, um, one of our prior board members, a guy named Jordan Palmer, um, who Caitlin knew, um, pr- you know, prior to getting involved with us, but, um, Jordan is, you know, he, he played in the NFL, his brother Carson obviously had a bigger career in the NFL with the Arizona, right. but Jordan connected us to this group called student sports and student sports puts on this thing called elite 11, um, which is for these top national high school quarterbacks. And so we've been doing Elite 11 now for, you know, eight years and seeing like that's where we met Deshaun Watson when he was going to be a senior in high school, you know, but then we spent three years with him at Clemson and now at, at the Texans. And so it's crazy to see how many kids, um, you know, how many high school quarterbacks that we've come in contact with at a young age of that, you know, 18, 17 to 18 years and where they see, wow, I can use my life to help others. Um, it's been incredibly rewarding to see them go on and do great things. Cause I always tell them when I go and speak to them, if you, if you don't stand for any, if you, you got to stand for something, otherwise you stand for nothing. Right. And so I don't care if you stand for childhood cancer or whatever, but stand for something. And we're grateful that some choose to stand with us and to encourage kids fighting cancer to never, ever give up. Um, You know, again, on our new um, video program called Chatting with Cade, you know, our our junior ambassador, Cade Spinello, has been interviewing a lot of these, you know, athletes and stuff. And so, you know, most of these athletes we met at elite 11 um because they were there in high school or they were there as counselors and stuff so um the the, we've got a few mlb players um never have been really to get we never have been able to get into the nba unfortunately we lost um kobe um and so he's obviously in heaven with jess but you know he was starting to get more involved with us 
And I think you definitely would have been a, a great conduit into the NBA, but he unfortunately um, lost his life. And so um, we've never really been in big in the NBA, but uh, we've got, we got a lot of all-stars, no matter if it's co- collegiate or pro or retired. And we're just grateful that they choose to, you know, use their platform, you know, wearing a wristband. It's crazy because we'll, we'll have kids tell us it's like that guy or that gal's yep. wearing a wristband. They're, you know, they're on my team. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's crazy. The power of this little band that they, when yep. they see it, you know, yeah, you've got yours on. I mean, you, it's been on the cover of sports illustrated six times. It's been, and it's on the Madden cover with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you ever just like, are you in like, awe? like, here's my 12, here's my daughter. And now we're on the Madden cover. We're on sports illustrated. We're on ESPN every day. It seems like at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, of, of course we are. We're very, we're very honored that these people choose to wear a wristband um, and try to help create awareness. Um, and yeah, I mean, m- 99.9% of the people that watch, you know, Patrick Mahomes play or see him on the cover of Madam don't even recognize the wristband. Right. But the kids that are fighting cancer that play Madden and see a, somebody that they look up to, I mean, this guy is a superstar, you know, uh, in, yeah. in, the, in the world of, you know, football and sport. And so they feel special that they, that guy, that gal is on their team. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this right after the 4th of July. And I read recently that you were, you know, we talked a little bit about how the coronavirus has kind of impacted hospital visits, obviously, um, you know, much compromised immune systems. It's, it's, it's impossible to get in, but you guys were able to get back to spreading joy at children's hospitals. You had Alex Young and Madison Cosin, um, were able to virtually zoom into Cook's children. What was, how has this change been? And like, what was that experience like? Well, the change has been hard, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we we had been on a eight-year growth trajectory, which was incredible to be growing, you know, by about a half million dollars a year in revenue and reaching thousands and thousands of children. Um, and then this virus shows up, you know, you know, three or four days prior to our biggest gala that we we're going to have planned. We had 852 people scheduled yeah. to come. Um, at the Disneyland hotel and we had to cancel that. So, I mean, obviously that hurt, you know, so our, our, this year, our budget prior to, I mean, when we set out this year, our budget was 4.5 million. Now our budget is 2.5 million. So, I mean, it's been almost cut in half based off of the significant decrease in our ability to gather um, like at like a gala and stuff, but also our mobile joy factory, which was being able to partner with corporations all across the United States has been parked at this point in time, because again, companies aren't being able to gather. Um, and so obviously the all-stars can't go into the hospitals. And so what we just decided to do is let's continue to leverage technology. And it's not it's not the best because it's no, nothing can replace face to face interaction with a kid in a room, but it's better than not showing up at all. It's it's yeah. it's still showing that child that's having a crappy day that somebody's there to care about him. Somebody wants to talk to him, um, and you know, again, like for 15 minutes, that child didn't think about cancer, and mm-hmm. to me, that's a victory. 
Um, and so they, they still got their joy jar from their staff, but I mean, cause we're getting more and more orders for joy jars than we've ever had because so many hospitals don't have the support of their local community coming in anymore because of right. COVID, you know? And so, I mean, just last month we did over 4,000 joy jars for hospitals. Um, you know, and so, you know, it, it's impacted us, but you know, I'm, I'm bound and determined to figure out ways to raise money to keep joy flowing to honor my daughter's life. Yeah. If I, I this is kind of going to be a big question because it's been, you know, it's been 11, it's been, you know, 10 years. What's the biggest lesson that Jesse has taught you? Oh, that's a great question, Jared. Um, the biggest lesson. I would say, I don't know if it's the biggest, but one of the lessons that Jesse has taught me is the power of caring for someone else. I mean, I can I can remember CBS showed up um, about six six months after Jesse started treatment, maybe even before that, maybe four or five months after she started treatment. And so they they asked if they could do a story on her, and they came into our house and they put Jesse on the couch. And the the initial the whole idea of the interview was just the the reporter and Jesse speaking. So they asked Stacy and I to get out of eye, eye shot of Jesse so she wouldn't look at us. So we were down the hall and she started to, you know, started doing this interview with her. And then the question that from the, the lady from CBS to Jesse was, you know, you're 12 years old. Why don't, why don't you just make this all about yourself? You know, and it's just crazy to think about that at 11 years old, 12 years old, her response was, and I can't quote it for specifics, but it was pretty much, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. And it was a great reminder to me um, that at the end of the day, what I want my life to be remembered as is somebody that cared for others. And I can't always say that I've been the most caring person. There was times I'm probably a super selfish person, but there's definitely a, a super resyncing of my core values, like things that I used to think were so important are no longer important to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it comes down to faith, family, some great friends, um, you know, and there's just life is so much more simple to me um, than it probably was not probably but that it was prior to learning that Jess had cancer. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know specifically if that really answers your question what she's, you know, what she's taught me. I just know that the way I look at life is totally different than I did prior to March 3rd, 2011. No, that definitely answers my question. And, um, I think the impact that Jesse has had not only on your life, but thousands upon thousands of others has, I mean, it's certainly reshaped my life too. And like how you said, like things that I thought were so important are important at all. And if like I wear this bracelet every single day, it's because if Jesse couldn't, was never, ever giving up, there's seriously no reason at all that I should ever have that type of attitude of giving up because here she was battling her, battling for her life. And right. like we said at the beginning of the podcast, like she wanted to put, make it all about everybody else. She never wanted to make it about Jesse. But so like you, you mentioned earlier, so since 2011, I wanted to give you the stats. I know you know them, but 
you've you've made over 300,000 joy jars and have been sent to kids battling cancer in all 50 states and over 40 countries over 19.5 million in total donations to encourage those kids to, um, to never ever give up looking back like do you do you have to take a step back and realize like this started in a garage <laughs> and, and it's not and, and it's not Amazon. It's not, you know, it's not right. the next big tech company. But like, did you ever imagine it was going to be this big? No, no, um, because we never set up to do it. It was just always in response to Jess. Right. And, and I mean, after Jesse moved to heaven, we actually had a family meeting with her little brother, JT, and her big sister, Shea, because for 10 months and two days, they we're on the sidelines. Um, you know, we did the best to try to make it normal, um, but our family was not normal. I mean, there was a lot of stress and anxiety in our home, and that obviously impacted JT and Shea, and it forever has shaped them. They're not, they're different people today because of what they had to go through. Yeah. Um, and because childhood cancer doesn't just impact the child, it impacts the entire family. Um, but we, what we talked about, hey, is, is it time to close the chapter or is it time to write a new chapter? And, you know, Shea goes, dad, Jesse's motto was never, ever give up. How can we, you know? And so we all stuck our hands in the middle of our kitchen Island and just said one, two, three for Jess. And we've never looked back. Um, did I sit back there thinking back then, Oh my gosh, we're going to probably, you know, be on a, on a path to someday, sending a half million joy jars no no i just tried to be faithful and focused to what jesse wanted and we've always because we've been asked to do all kinds of other things and we've always just said no we have to stay focused on what we do we spread joy with the joy jars help us create relationships with kids those kids and their families get invited into our club nigu program so we can love on those families and everybody in the family for over two years um, and they get access to our iNegu app so they can get daily encouragement from celebrities and all-stars and stuff um, and that's how we help encourage them to never ever give up a joy jar doesn't help a kid never ever give up it starts a relationship that we can start to develop and cultivate and remind them constantly about encouraging them to never ever give up so there so there's so their resiliency factor, their resiliency rate is higher than there's not. Um, one of the things that I learned while Jesse was actually fighting cancer um, from a doctor from Indiana University, Dr. Howes, she was doing, she had just finished a study that showed, because I wanted to clinically try to figure out, does joy jars even help kids? Does yeah. the, or, or, you know, uh, and so she had just done a study that, regarding this thing called the resiliency rate and she was able to show that when a child receives continual stimulus being encouragement from all three circles meaning the first circle is mom and dad the second circle is family extended family but the third circle is community when they get st continual stimulus of encouragement from all three circles their ability to fight, their mental resiliency, she was able to show was higher than those that didn't have all three circles support cheering for them. Mm -hmm. So we're part of the third circle for these kids. 
Right. You know, and so we are honored to be part of their third circle and providing that in, you know, and again, if they're on, if they're on the app, you know, they get daily encouragement um, and being reminded to never, ever give up. And so it's a mindset. Um, but no, I had no idea this is what this was going to turn into. Um, I just continue to try to obviously honor Jesse and do the best we can with what resources we have. You know, right now we're at 84 almost 85% of every dollar goes right to kids. Um, and that's really, really important to us. Um, cause Jesse never wanted to be about herself. So we're never going to make it about ours. Yeah. And you, you brought up a really good point, um, about Shea and JT, Jesse's siblings, you know, childhood cancer not only obviously affects the individual, but it affects the family as a whole. And you, you talked a little bit about what Shea and JT went through. What Tell me a little bit about um, what the foundation does to help families as a whole when they have a child battling cancer. Well, I mean, we, we're, we're, we're basically encouragement, you know, you know, letting them know that they're, because Jesse used to always say, Daddy, I feel lonely and limited. And so I always think about these families and how our family even felt lo- alone. And we, I was part of a big church and we had all these people, but there was a sense of being alone because people stopped knowing what to say to you and all these kinds of things. And Jesse, obviously her, her friends started to, you know, pull back because her body was changing. They didn't know what to say. And that wasn't bad for them. They're just young. They just don't know. And so being able to show up and provide love to these, these families through joy jars and gifts and experiences Um, you know, and we do some financial support and stuff, you know, it's just trying to help them know that they're not alone, um, that there's a team here. There's a group that we call Nigu Nation uh, on, on social media that is cheering for them. Um, and like, you know, on Facebook, when we do joy mobs and, you know, when we, you know, post about a story and encourage people to leave a comment and mob that kid, you know, we've had we've had people receive, you know, three or 4,000 comments. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you're lonely, you're trying to figure out, you're trying to keep your head above water and you just received 4,000 doses of encouragement that helps, you know, I, 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 people I, you don't even know, I don't have clinical trials about it. I just think that that encouragement to, so, Oh my gosh, somebody's there because one of the things that's just the strange dichotomy that, people in in my boat have to deal with is you never want somebody to forget your child's name. Yeah. And so that's why we do memory canvases for families that have lost their child to, to, to cancer. Um, and so anytime that we can try to rally around and encourage these families and their siblings, um, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, if so, the foundation is coming up on 10 years. Do you have, a kind of a, a goal or a vision of where it'll be in the next 10 years? You know, we had um, back in 2013, we created what was called the 2020 vision. And basically we said, okay, what do we want to be? If, if we could, what, what do we want to be at the end of 2020? So we're, at, we're, we're six months away. And so we wrote down back then is to be a national symbol of help and hope in the childhood cancer space. So not a, not a local symbol, not a regional symbol, but a national symbol. 
And last year I felt like, wow, we actually are there. And the reason I say it, I don't say it with like I'm cocky. It's just the reason I said it is I had the honor of being the keynote speaker at a conference called APON, um, which had about a thousand nurses, um, oncology nurses. So these are these is our target market. I mean, like we yeah. work nurses, they, they they they're really the joy dispensers. We work with you know like two hundred and fifty some children's hospitals, and so. But when I ask people to raise your hand if you've never heard of joy jars, there was maybe twenty hands up. Wow. So in my mind, I know that national symbol. Yeah, I mean if 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 our brand Nigu came on the TV, nobody would know what that is. Not the majority wouldn't because it's not like an Amazon brand, but right. within the, it wasn't to be a national symbol of help and hope to the world. It's our, our, our vision statement was to be a national symbol of help and hope in the childhood cancer space. And I believe that we have achieved that, that people in the childhood cancer space know about us from the medical professionals to obviously the you know, thousands and thousands of families that we've helped. We have family ambassadors that are telling other families about us. So, you know, um, and then you get the, the 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 blessing of having like all these athletes know about us and stuff. Yeah. So I think I think in the childhood cancer space, we be we have become a national symbol. So I would say to answer your question, I know this is a long winded way to answer it. No, it's but fine. I needed to just give you a little bit of perspective of what what was our vision and what. So I would say in the next 10 years, I would hope that we would become an international symbol of help and hope in the childhood cancer space. Um, it's going to take a lot of partnerships, um, a lot of resources, um, but just because the reason I say international, and I don't want to just be international to be international, mm-hmm. is she said, on, she told Stacy and I on her 12th birthday, she just said, how cool would it be if every kid fighting cancer was encouraged to never, ever give up? So we took that and said, that's Jesse's wish. How cool. She didn't say it's my wish. She just said, how cool would it be? We've coined yeah. Jesse's wish. But right. it were her words. And her heart was, gosh, what about if we could help every kid you know, be encouraged to never, ever give up? So because that was her wish, I guess you could say the first 10 years was about national engagement, national um, growth. But I would hope the next 10 years, there's definitely a more intentional strategy to go international um, so we can reach more and more kids fighting cancer. Because if you think about 300,000 children a year are diagnosed with cancer in the world, only about, and I'll say only because it's not a small, but only about 20, 22,000 of those are in the United States. Mm-hmm. So to reach the majority of kids fighting cancer, we have to go international. So I would hope that in 10 years from now, we were talking, I would be able to show you how um, people have supported us in such a way that we are now uh, an international symbol of help and hope in the childhood cancer space. I like that. I think I think you've hit it right on the head. I think I think the foundation has done an incredible job nationally and i think the next step is to 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 capture the world and i love yep. that i yep. want to ask you one last question and then and then we can tell everyone how to donate and where to find jesse's story and, and where to find you guys but i do ask this of all my guests at the end of every episode 
you've written Jesse's story in your book, Never Ever Give Up. So my question to you is, what would be the title of your autobiography and why? Um, title of my autobiography. That's an interesting question. I would say... title would be life hurts god heals and why because life does hurt no matter obviously my hurt is different than other people's hurts but i think that i've gone through my fair share of hurt right um, and i believe that the only way that I'm functioning today in any sort of healthy, healthy perspective um, is because of God. Um, you know, I didn't grow up around religion. My dad was a drunk and beat the crap out of me growing up. I left home when I was 16 years old. Um, and then obviously, you know, I met my girlfriend who then actually took me to church and that's where I found the Lord. And then we got married and had kids. And then obviously we learned that one of our kids was going to move to heaven before us. But in all of the pain that I've experienced, there's been great healing. And that only healing has truly, truly, truly come because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that. And if you could get started writing that, I will pre-order that as soon as possible. <laughs> um, but Eric, I really appreciate you coming on today's show and, and telling Jesse's story and telling us about the foundation. If you don't mind, can you tell the listeners where they can find the Jesse Reese Foundation on social media and where they can donate? Yeah, thank you again, Jared, for having me on. It's been a great time to have conversation with you. Um, thank you for all your support and what you've done for us. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. But uh, yeah, they can jump online at negu, N-E-G-U dot org. Um, and then uh, they can search Team Negu, so Team and then N-E-G-U on all social media platforms um, to learn about who we are, what we do, how to join the team, because um, we're always looking for new people to join and volunteer. Um, and uh, we're, we're grateful for you know, people can donate a like on social media or they could donate a dollar, but every every bit helps. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. And uh, we will definitely keep in touch. OK, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. So a massive, massive thank you to Eric for coming on and sharing his daughter's story. And I hope that Jesse's story has inspired you guys to live by her motto of never, ever giving up. Kind of takes you a moment to realize what she had gone through and everything that she did, the way that she went through it, um, and living by that motto of never, ever giving up. I know a lot of us are going through some crazy things right now, especially during these unprecedented times. But if you take a moment to remember Jesse's story and what she went through, kind of makes what we're all going through a little bit smaller and so if we can all have the same mindset of going through whatever we're going through with the attitude of never ever giving up i think we're all going to be a little bit happier but there are some ways that you guys can get involved right now to help encouraging those kids battling cancer to never ever give up especially during this month of september um, as eric said at the end of the episode um, you can either donate a like or donate a dollar all those bits help so be sure to follow the jesse reese foundation on instagram and all social medias at team negu 
on all social platforms. And then there are other challenges going on with Team Nigu right now that you guys can get involved in. One is the show your hands challenge. It's really simple. All you do is write I on your right hand and Nigu, that's N-E-G-U on your left hand. Throw your hands up, show your hands on social media and tag five of your friends, caption with the, the hashtag INIGU challenge. And every post that you guys share on social media help towards that match that we have right now of $100,000. Another way that you can get involved for all of my active people out there, we have a 46K run walk throughout the month of September. Now, why 46? Obviously, from the episode, right? Every 46 minutes, a child is told that they have cancer. So during this month, right, especially now when we're kind of inside and tired of, of being inside, We're encouraging you guys to get out and be active. You don't have to do the 46K all in one go. But throughout the month of September, you guys can run, walk, 46K. And so go to nigu.org slash challenge to learn more about those challenges, to register for the 46K run, walk, to learn more about the Show Your Hands challenge, and obviously to donate. But a huge thank you to Eric for coming on, and a huge thank you to you all for listening to this week's episode. I'm really really thankful that you guys um, are listening to this podcast and showing your support. I appreciate all the messages and all the support, but that does it for this week's episode. And I will see you all next Wednesday.